for me, I'm like, I'm still taller than you at yeah. five six, but most of you have your filters set to five nine. Yeah. And so I'm not even crossing your path mm-hmm. in these dating apps. And so when I change it to five nine, all of a sudden, oh yeah, I am witty. I'm like, I was witty before this <laughs> on my profile. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have just seen it, you know, uh, same face, same smile, same good pictures. to another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak, a podcast about the shared experience of dating in Los Angeles. Today's guest I'm extremely excited for. He has been podcasting for many, many years, and you'll probably be able to tell he's way more professional and skilled at this than I am. But we actually did not meet through podcasting. His name is Jonathan, and we met at DreamWorks back in 2016. We had the same position, and it was really great because we started around the same time. I actually learned something about him from the very beginning of when we met. And I think that Jonathan's interview style is kind of indicative of how he is with romance. And what I mean by that (laughs) is that he kind of was like, hey, I see something that I want, and I'm going to go for it. And by that, I mean, he slid into the DMs of the head of our team on LinkedIn. That's how we got the interview. And then he showed up for the interview. And it was like the first date kind of and he had a grand gesture. And maybe, you know, I'll let you talk about what that grand gesture was and how it landed you your dream job, essentially. (laughs) Sure. Thank you, Leslie, for that amazing intro. Usually, I'm the one who has to do the intros for other people as the host. And it is such a weight off my shoulders today to not have to host. On the other side of the token, though, I am very nervous because I'm not usually in this position. (laughs) You're going to be amazing. But thank you. I am the host of a Lakers podcast, and I'm going to plug myself really quick. If there's anybody that loves sports, basketball, and the Lakers, you can check out the Lakers Legacy podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. The NBA reset is happening right now in Orlando, Florida. So far, things are going smoothly, crossing fingers. We'll see how all that goes, but the Lakers are looking good. With that said, I did meet Leslie at DreamWorks, but it was back in 2015, Leslie, the end of 2015. Oh my gosh, you are correct. How (laughs) could I forget? Wow. 2016 is when our lives turned upside down and Universal bought us (laughs) and... uh, (laughs) PTSD uh, still. <laughs> but that is that is a podcast and a story for another time. But yes. we are both under Universal now slash DreamWorks. So mm-hmm. w- sorry, I, I totally forgot your question. How um, I got into DreamWorks. Yes. So Leslie is absolutely correct. I slid into <laughs> our head <laughs> of promotions, DMs, because at that point I had kind of gotten, yeah, this is like a dating thing. I had <laughs> kind of gotten sick and tired of the way that, you know, you kind of just throw your resume and use the normal portals that a company gives you and just pray and hope to God that someone in HR picks your resume and sends it to the right person. Mm -hmm. And I just had a feeling that it was getting lost over and over again, regardless of how qualified I was, you know, so I was like, next time I see a position I want, I'm going to take the back route. And the back (laughs) route was... (laughs) 
<laughs> looking at the position description, seeing what department it was for, and then going onto LinkedIn, stalking the right person, seeing who the head was, and just praying to God that it was first name dot last name <laughs> at dreamworks.com. Yes. And so that's exactly what I did. And I think the way that I fashioned my email to our then head of promotions, I made sure to go down swinging and not <laughs> be as professional as I typically was. And to be fair, I want to say that I sent out maybe three or four other emails to other heads at DreamWorks and only one took, but you only need one, right? Yeah, and, and so, that's a good ratio, honestly. It, that's very true. And so, I mean, I made sure to go down with my personality and made sure, because at this point, this Aww. is the company that I wanted to work for. I knew all about its history. I knew like the box office numbers of <laughs> every animated movie. I was like, how do I not have a job at this yeah. place yet? And so I made sure to sprinkle all of that relevant stuff in with a little bit of personality in my email. And she actually really appreciated it and forwarded my resume over to HR. And long story short, I ended up getting an interview with the head of international promotions, as well as the head of domestic promotions. And that's how I ended up becoming co-workers with Leslie. And I guess the interview part that you were mentioning and referencing earlier, I decided to go all out again. And I brought waffles <laughs> to uh, my interview, just because I had previously I had worked at Fox in marketing. And we had seen a lot of pitches from different companies who wanted to cut up reels for us. And the pitches that were most memorable to me were the ones that had food. I know it's so simple and trite. <laughs> but honestly, I was yeah. like, you know what? And if you had a good reel, obviously, yes. if you had food on top of that, it's even more powerful. Yep. So I was like, you know what, let me just add literally a cherry on top of the cake, not literally, but a waffle on top of the cake. And so I brought these vanilla infused Belgium waffles from a cafe, a local cafe that I frequented and brought it to literally every single interview. And yeah, everybody loved it. Everybody knew me as the waffle guy. And yes. it just gave me, you know, like a topic of conversation to kind of land on initially, yeah. right from the start and kind of just laugh at. So and yeah, that's the rest is history. And I'm still at DreamWorks today. To Honestly, this day. it's still impressive. And I think you're underselling the waffles because it's also on brand. It's donkey. It is. And I totally <laughs> did not even like connect that until much later when people were like, <laughs> I thought What's you the did line? that on purpose. In no, the I wish I was making waffles. I, I wish I was that clever and smart. But yes, it just it, it was meant to be right. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. And honestly, I think this is a great lesson already about dating before we even go into the actual episode. But you just have to shoot your shot. And I like what you said about not holding back and showing your whole personality because, you know, you could be really buttoned up. And a lot of times that's what people do. However, by doing this, you were really confident that whoever responded and was interested in interviewing and eventually hiring you would be someone who appreciated your personality, who you'd get along right. with. And I think that's kind of what you have to do with dating too, you know, rather than hide and be this like boring version of yourself who then doesn't stand out, just put it all out there and the right person will bite. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit more about yourself, like your background, how old you are. I am 32 years old. I am Filipino American. I 
was born in Trinidad and Tobago, actually, for the first year of my life, and then moved to the Philippines in year two, moved to Texas at age six, and then finally moved to California, Arcadia, California, specifically at age 11, and have been pretty much in the San Gabriel Valley ever since. Yeah, I went to USC uh, for college, been in marketing for the first, oh yeah, UCLA. (laughs) (laughs) But that is long past this at this point, Leslie. Yeah, yeah. I guess I should grow up and be more mature about it, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but out, out of school, I've been, I was in marketing for about the next six years. I had expected my DreamWorks marketing career to last longer than it did. But you know, with acquisitions and all that plans changed. And I eventually moved into the production side of things animation production. And it's weird because Leslie and I still kind of tangentially work with each other. Yeah. Uh, there was a period of time when Leslie was working for Universal, and then she made her way back to DreamWorks animation. And while I'm on the production side of things, she'll eventually take whatever show I'm currently working on and market it out with what department specifically? Well, that's funny time to ask that question because I was on the TV marketing department, but I changed jobs yesterday. So. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. But still still with DreamWorks. No, I'm at Peacock oh. now, but still under okay. Universal. Yeah, so I haven't okay, escaped gotcha. the broader umbrella. Well, you will still be working with whatever show I'm cr- currently creating yeah. at some point. Just at uh, a different down the stage, line. yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I'm currently in animation production, hoping to one day become a writer. As Leslie mentioned on the side, I like to do podcasting. It helps keep me sharp with regards to writing because there's actually a lot of writing involved. There is. Whether it's outlining or like, you know, writing copy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, the whole thing is writing. If I'm yeah. being perfectly honest, I'm not good at improv. So I'm the type of person who's has to almost literally verbatim script things out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's what I do on the side. And current relationship status, and we'll get into this later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am in a relationship as of May 16th. uh, And that is in the quarantine time span. So yeah, we'll delve more into that later. Yeah, Um, I'm currently in Burbank right now. I I just helped my girlfriend transition moving. So we're at a in-between space at an Airbnb. But I guess my, my current location would still be the San Gabriel Valley of California. Yeah. Um, a lot of big but yeah, changes. I think that's it. Moving and getting into a relationship during quarantine. That's a lot to undergo. You know, what's crazy is uh, when quarantine started, life kind of shut down for everybody. And I made a ton of jokes about how, yeah, like nothing would happen during this period. <laughs> then joke is on me because I've been in a relationship for the last, what is it now? Almost, almost two and a half, yeah, three months. Almost three so. Months. Wow. But yeah, like I mentioned, I keep teasing it. We'll get into it later. But yeah, joke is on me. (laughs) Who would have known? Who would have known? Oh my gosh. So going back to when Jonathan and I first met. So when we met, we were actually both in long term relationships. And I'll, of course, you know, let like you speak to your relationship history. But I think that we underwent something kind of unique because we had both been in long term relationships. And then had to transition into dating online at some point. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing because I think when you've been in a long-term relationship for a while, you have a lot that you don't know about online dating that you kind of have to get used to. But before that, I would love to hear about what your long-term relationship was like, like just some of the history and some things that you might have learned from it and how it helped you grow. Sure. Yeah, I was in a long-term relationship going on about three years entering DreamWorks. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it felt like everything in my life was sort of lining up. And then of course, I kind of got dumped, I think almost like two months into 
getting my quote unquote dream job with DreamWorks. So that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. Yeah. So as I mentioned, that relationship lasted about three years. She was six years younger than me. And previous to this or prior to this, I had not really been in a long-term relationship. So this was really my first long-term relationship. Previously, it was more like flings here and there, like I like you, but there was nothing defined. So that was my first real long-term relationship. But I met her when she was like, almost right out of high school. So like 18, 19. Yeah. And you know, these days, like what a six year gap is nothing. But I guess the biggest thing I learned is nothing accounts for life experience, really. Yeah. And we were both in different life stages. And regardless of whether or not we were aligned in the fact early on that we wanted to be in a long term relationship and that we were looking to progress things and, you know, maybe even thought about marriage. It's different when you're 18 and 24, 19 and 24 thinking about those things. And then especially for her, right, college, her college years are going to be the time that she really gets to know herself and what she really likes, what she doesn't like, etc, etc. And for me, that was, you know, a tough lesson to learn. But I had a lot of growing up to do as well Mm -hmm. at age, you know, 24, 25 at that time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously it sucked at the time, but I think it was also the best thing that could have happened just starting out at DreamWorks because it allowed me to really invest myself in other people and really plug myself in in different relationships and really kind of, you know, anytime like a breakup happens, it forces you to sort of cut off the identity that you did have you know for me it was like two and a half years prior and kind of look at your future and be like okay who am i again and what pieces of the past do i want to bring forward and what are some new things that i want to get into it really is that very cliche like eat pray love Mm -hmm. like i've got this blank canvas in front of me i can choose to sort of tiptoe along the lines or really just kind of be carefree and like try out different things. And for me, that was getting into a bunch of creative ventures. It was like progressing this Lakers podcast of mine, getting into photography, getting into design, just a whole lot of stuff, getting into writing. And for the first time, like I didn't really have anybody else to like worry about. Uh, So instead of like thinking about our future, my ex's future, and building, you know, what would potentially be like, okay, maybe we'll get married at some point. Mm-hmm. It was more like, okay, what do I do with my career and what I'm passionate about again, and kind of rediscovering those things and also discovering new passions and creative interests and really having the time to dig into all of those things as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, that would be the biggest thing that I learned out of that experience. Yeah. How did you meet your ex-girlfriend? She was my barista. <laughs> At the cafe that I was uh, going to at the time, yeah. Was it the same cafe where you got the waffles? It was not. Okay, okay. (laughs) But she did end up working there, so (laughs) there is still that connection. Yeah, Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like there are so many parallels with what we were experiencing, but also kind of in different scenarios as well. Because when I joined DreamWorks, literally the month that I joined, I was ending a two-year relationship. Mm. And I was not as young as your ex at the time, but that was my first serious relationship. And so I was the one to end it in that case. And I think that I was kind of going through some of the same things that maybe she was going through. I can't necessarily speak to her experience, but where I think for me, it was like, oh, I'm trying to figure out what I need in a relationship. And I know that my partner at the time was more serious. He was a lot more mature, even though he wasn't significantly older than I am. So I guess maybe that just speaks to my immaturity or his maturity, (laughs) maybe a combination of both. And 
it was just really difficult because yeah, it was kind of this crossroads where one person is thinking about the future, whereas you need to kind of take time to figure out, okay, this is just me learning what being in relationships is like and what I need out of them. And Mm -hmm. the difference is that you really describe diving into creative endeavors and learning a lot about yourself. I actually jumped into another relationship, not intentionally. That wasn't why I ended the first relationship just kind of happened timing wise. But I can relate to everything you're saying about using the time after you become single to kind of do that. Because after being in two back to back relationships, that's when I kind of had to be like, oh, you have a lot of interests that you haven't necessarily been pursuing because of this other person. And now you have all this time when you can do that. And I think it is great to look at it that way. And it's kind of a great opportunity to grow. Right. Totally. Yeah. So then diving into online dating, I feel like (laughs) we have spoken about this so much because ad nauseum, it is many lunch breaks, (laughs) many lunch breaks, including literally the last lunch that we had. before. Yes. It ended on a cliffhanger, right? It did. Yeah. So we'll get into this story, but Jonathan and I got lunch for the first time in a while. We weren't working on the same campus at the time. So it was kind of crazy. We had dove into this really interesting dating story that he had And it was the last day before we were in the office and then sent home. Didn't realize that at the time, mid story, my boss texts me. He's like, Hey, can you come back? And then he was coming back to tell me we're all going to be working remotely pretty soon. So develop your contingency plans. And then I didn't get to hear the end of Jonathan's story until we were on zoom a later time. Is that the title of this podcast episode? Develop your contingency plans. (laughs) Honestly, it could be. Also, I'm being super dramatic. He did not use those words and, you know, dramatizing it. But Or it sounds like a great punk rock band. Contingency plan. Yeah, totally. So I guess one thing that is not necessarily something that we spoke about, but something I've always found interesting that kind of applies to both of us. So back in the day, there was this OkCupid study about race and dating apps, and it came out in 2014. Interestingly, I was trying to find it afterwards because I wanted to, you know, research it in preparation for this discussion. OkCupid has rescinded the blog post, which I find really interesting, but it's Mm. been sourced by so many people that you can still find all the information. And essentially, there was this study that looked at interactions between 2009 and 2014 involving 25 million people. So a very significant sample. And what it did was it studied data collected by the service called QuickMatch. Not sure if it's still on the app now but it allowed users to view profiles one at a time and then rate those profiles on a scale of one to five or skip them. And the purpose was just to show if you look at how women rate men and how men rate women across race, which races are rising to the top. And interestingly, the worst ratings across every demographic went to black women or black or Asian men. And then the best ratings went to Asian or Latino women. And then in terms of which men received the best ratings, what was really interesting is that women were most likely to give men of their own race the highest rating across all ethnicities. Mm. So I guess, honestly, the only reason I bring this up is because I'm just curious if this aligns with any experiences that you personally have had on the app or that you maybe have thought about. I would say like, even if I didn't necessarily read this study, I had heard about this rising trend of just and maybe it's done from the study, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. But I had heard of this trend of, you know, black women and Asian men being least desirable. And then on top of that, I had heard of a statistic that said because of that, 
they were starting to pair pair up with one another. So I was like, I mean, I guess that makes sense because they're like, well, screw you guys. Screw everyone else. (laughs) I I don't know how how true that is or what Mm -hmm. the actual numbers look like, but it it sort of makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could go so deeply into just Asian American politics Mm -hmm. and what being an Asian American male means Mm -hmm. in America and what the entertainment industry tells us about ourselves in comparison to Asian women. And I guess some of that feeds into it. But I think like when it comes to me and also like my male Asian American counterparts, and I don't want to speak for everybody, obviously, but I think we're slowly starting to get out of this haze of just, Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, how the media portrays us to be. And I think it's sort of that self-fulfilling prophecy of being like, I don't know how desirable we are outside of our own race. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you know, Asian American women are choosing to go outside of their race more often than not as well. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of just left within our own pool. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to even if we did, you know, we're attracted to like a white woman or whatever, somebody outside of our race, we're not sure how desirable we are. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just that inherent, at least for me, that insecurity. Yeah that almost makes you not want to branch out, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and just be like, Oh, I'll just stay within my lane. Because that's kind of how the media has made it out to be with regards to us. And yeah. you know, maybe they need to update that <laughs> this study, because these days, BTS is like, so <laughs> hot right now. So I mean, I'm pretty sure those numbers are going to be different these days. So mm-hmm. but yeah, I guess that's all I can speak to right now. I do think it's very interesting. But with regards to being the least desirable, it sucks because that's how I felt like we as Asian American males already felt like. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there are numbers behind that, we're like, oh, geez, you know, it's I like, know. Maybe it's it true. is a hard pill to swallow. And I will caveat and say, obviously, 2014, that was a long time ago. And mm-hmm. so I looked at they showed on the article that I had found that actually had statistics behind it. They showed the numbers in 2009 and in 2014. And in that five year span, there was already a stark difference that showed that, you know, biases were starting to break down. So I mm-hmm. do wish that they had this for 2020, because it would be interesting to see, is that less prevalent today? So yeah. of course, you know, not trying to extrapolate data from then to say that's the current experience, but just something interesting. And I agree that what you said about it kind of, you know, feeding into insecurities, I feel like that's all it can really do for myself as well. It's really hard to tell how it's impacted me. Because of course, thankfully, there's no way to see all the people who said no to my profile. And even if I could (laughs) see that, you know, I wouldn't have any way of knowing why they decided they weren't interested. Thankfully, for all of our confidence levels, there isn't a feedback that says, Ooh, I swiped left because XYZ, because I don't think anyone really needs to see that. And I feel like the only relevant experience I've had is so I matched with this guy, and I remember it was on a swiping app, so I had to kind of decide do I swipe left or right? It wasn't like one of those where you see that they've already liked you in a queue. And I remember I was going through their profile, and I thought to myself, This guy is attractive, but he looks douchey. And then I kind of checked myself and I was like, Leslie, why do you think that? Why are you judging this person just based on like five photos? And then I swiped right on him and we matched. And his first message to me was, will you be my first black girl? And I was like, no, are you serious? And then I was like, you should have judged him. Oh, my God. Yeah, you you totally should have. But anyway, that is also the opposite phenomenon. It's not even the same thing as what the study was saying. So that's sure, my sure. only relevant experience. And all I have to say to that guy is I'm not a Pokemon, okay? Like you can't just catch them <laughs> all and like use me as a part of a collection. But yeah, no, totally. 
I would I, I will also add on top of that, you know, I have a last name that's very interesting because my last name is Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And for anybody who has Filipino American friends, you know, Spanish colonization, yada, yada, that is why most Filipinos have Hispanic last names. And so it's interesting when you can, I guess there's some apps that you can show your last name mm-hmm. or not show it, etc. And I always wonder whether or not showing my last name immediately puts like, I don't know what people think, obviously, mm-hmm. race is a sensitive subject in general, yeah. but it does play into dating apps and whatnot and so especially within like when you mentioned you know women typically i guess in this study they like to date within their own race Mm -hmm. i don't know how many other asian girls would see hernandez and be like oh is he asian actually i don't know anymore you know that kind of warps your perception of if you didn't see the last name do i look more asian to you or when you see my last name am i all of a sudden oh he's mixed or like is he half Hispanic yeah mm-hmm. I don't know what any of that means yeah. but it also it all plays into this whole dating app culture where you everything is a data point that you sort of have yes. to digest and process for yourself and yeah it's all very interesting it is and it's like you don't even really necessarily know which data points you're processing like I can't look back to that guy who looked douchey to me and say he looks douchey because of a b and c it was just kind of a vibe and I think there's yeah. so many micro details that you see as you're going through a profile quickly that you process and you don't even have them at the forefront of your mind, but mm-hmm. it still impacts whatever impression you have of the person, which is really interesting. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, just other biases on apps, have you encountered anything else that isn't related to race necessarily, but where you've noticed there's a clear bias towards or against this element of my profile and what I'm bringing to the table? Yes. Height. very definitive answer Uh, yes height i am five six five six and a half five seven on a good day which means i'm wearing my nike roaches um (laughs) no but yeah i mean it at this point it's a meme right it's a joke online about how do you even like him or is he just tall yeah i mean yeah i totally understand i get it Mm -hmm. i have my own biases on my end as well Mm -hmm. but that is definitely one big that's that's one thing i've experienced on my end where i'm like man why am i and you know already that the the amount of interaction that a guy and girl gets is much different. I mean, a girl gets much more than a guy in general. You add on top of that the the Asian guy and then also, you know, the height filters. And it's like a whole new world for, I guess, a five, five, six Asian dude like me. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's something that I've personally definitely experienced. Yeah. I guess one question. So I know that you used Coffee Meets Bagel. I haven't personally used it. Is that an app where you have a field specifically for height or... Is that not one of the things that you fill out? Yes, it does have a filter specifically for height. So you won't even see necessarily, especially when you get your like daily bagels, you won't, Mm -hmm. it'll filter out guys who are below your listed height of like five, nine or something. Okay. Yeah. Have you used other apps where that it doesn't have that filter? Because I know like Tinder, for example, it's so bare bones, you don't enter your height at all. Unless you- I have, but it's mostly been, what is it? Hinge Mm -hmm. or- Coffee meets bagel. But, you know, to be honest with you, even if it didn't have the filter, I feel like girls are looking for that anyways. So you should have it listed anyway. Because, you know, when you're filling out your profile, that's one of the things you fill out. Mm -hmm. So it almost looks more sketch if you don't have it in there, Mm -hmm. just as like a warning. warning. (laughs) I don't know if warning is the right... It doesn't have to be a warning. It doesn't have to be a warning. I know. I'm 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 being extra... Can you tell I've been hurt by this? I'm being extra dramatic about it. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, but yes, I mean, it, you, I feel like everybody knows at this point that you should have that filled out for everybody to see. So, and actually, I know you're going to go this direction, so I might as well say it. And one day, I just decided to do a little experiment mm-hmm. um, and just see what would happen if I changed my height. I know this is a very touchy subject, <laughs> and I want to caveat. I want yeah for science. I want to caveat all this by saying. I specifically, before I set out to do this, just wanted to see what the ratio would be after mm-hmm. I did this change. Yeah. I was not planning to talk to anybody. I was yeah. not planning to go out on any dates with anybody. Yeah. I just wanted is to not see. a catfish. No, I am not. So I changed my height from, you know, 5'6 to 5'9. Mm-hmm. And as, as I hypothesized... <laughs> I mean, the floodgates of heaven opened up and I got way more hits and I was like, wait, but you know, it's just two inches. And you know, to be perfectly transparent, Mm -hmm. I typically, I typically like to match with like other Asian American girls Mm -hmm. and Asian American girls are not tall. Yeah. You know, uh, average, they're like five, four, five, three, five, two. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I'm like, I'm still taller than you at five, six, but most of you have it have your filters set to five nine. And so I'm not even crossing your path Mm -hmm. in these dating apps. And so when I change it to five nine, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I am witty. I'm like, I was witty before this (laughs) on my profile. (laughs) If you could have just seen it, you know, Uh same face, same smile, same good pictures. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, that was the that was my hypothesis proven when I when I made that change. And I was like, Okay, well, that makes sense. There's nothing really I can do about it. But yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that is really interesting. And my follow-up question to you was going to be, oh, were the girls who you were now getting matched with, maybe they were like five, seven themselves, but sounds like they weren't. They just had their preferences in spite of their short height. And yes. one of my friends who I spoke to, he was talking about how he loves OkCupid. He met his now wife on OkCupid. So he is a huge proponent. And I brought up actually, because I had started to use it for the first time. And I was like, it's kind of crazy that literally anyone can message you, even if they fall outside of your preferences, just because, you know, not all the preferences are shallow things like height. Some of the preferences can be what type of relationship are you looking for? So if I want to filter out someone who's just looking for hookups, they could still technically message me. And he was like, honestly, that's one of the things that I liked about it because I think he is five seven. If I, I hope I'm citing that correctly. And he was saying that, you know, similarly, he didn't always feel like a girl would just swipe right based on the, like what his profile looked like, but he's super funny, super witty, kind of like what you were saying. And so when he did have that opportunity to say something specific to her profile and kind of bypass those filters, kind of like what you did with LinkedIn, mm-hmm. he had a lot more success. And I think that's a really great point. And it made me look at that feature differently. Mm, nice. So which app did you use primarily? It sounds like you used Coffee Meets Bagel the most. Yeah, so I think when I first started out, I was using Coffee Meets Bagel. But the second time around, I started using Hinge more. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know what it is about the two. But Coffee Meets Bagel, I guess, became a little bit more of a slog, I guess, Mm -hmm. because you're waiting for like five bagels to come in. Mm -hmm. Hinge, it's like kind of like Facebook, right? You just see the profiles you like, and you can comment or like a pickup line or a photo of somebody's and it's instantaneous, you can immediately match from there. So I think I think Hinge has gotten a lot better about streamlining their aesthetics and their, 
user interface and whatnot. So I was more drawn to Hinge this last round. And it, it's also where I got more of my hits because okay. it was instantaneous. And mm-hmm. Coffee Meets Bagel heavily curates and filters and cues stuff up. So if, like I mentioned, if you're a least desirable Asian male who's five, <laughs> five, six, five, seven, you're waiting in line for, you know, all the other guys. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, Hinge is the, the most recent frequent one that I've been using. Okay, okay. So in terms of meeting people before you met your girlfriend, did you have any experiences where, you know, maybe you matched with someone that seemed like it was going to be great, and for some reason, it didn't work out. And that could be maybe because they turned out to be emotionally unavailable. Maybe you met them and they were crazy in some way, like any (laughs) any noteworthy standout experiences. Yes. Early on when I was using Coffee Meets Bagel, I don't know, I feel like I'm a pretty good judge of character. But, you know, you mentioned that when we first got out of our initial long-term relationships and entered this like dating app sphere, there's like a huge learning curve, you know, and I'm very idealistic Mm -hmm. and romantic in the way that I view things. And I thought I could bypass that learning curve and Mm -hmm. be like, you know what, you know, you just go into it with intentionality and what you want, and you will not have to reap the consequences of whatever the hell everybody else is doing Mm -hmm. wrong. You do. And literally, I think like when I first used Coffee Meets Bagel, like the first girl I matched with, (laughs) I was very idealistically like, Oh yeah, I think this is this gonna is work the out. One. <laughs> <laughs> this is the one. <laughs> what an um, optimist! I, I know it. what an optimist. I mean, that pays off for you at some point down the line, but not before you learn some lessons along the way. Yes. But yeah, I mean, we had a really good coffee date the first time around, and then it went so well that we then had a follow-up dinner Mm -hmm. and then we mentioned at the start like hey we should like you know take things slow gradual pace of getting to know each other Mm -hmm. and then within a week we had like hung out like three times three four times and i was like "Uh uh-oh but you know that just (laughs) that just meant the chemistry was good and my initial feeling of like this is gonna work out was right yeah and then i was wrong because I realize in in this dating app world, you know, there's always exceptions to the rule. But for the most part, you do need more time and a more gradual pace to get to know somebody because you're not sure what people are filtering out of themselves and what will come to the light, you know, a week from now, a month from now. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it was just that I didn't realize that this girl was just really rude and was very blunt. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want you to just like people please me and just say everything I do or say is amazing. Mm -hmm. But there's a line of like, we've only known each other for like a week and a half. Like, don't get too comfortable with what you're saying to me. And she was, I think, one dinner, maybe like the fourth night or something. I was just sort of, I guess... I looking over the menu or Mm -hmm. thinking or whatever. And I was I guess I had my profile right looking out the window and she just said you should smile more and I was like oh okay uh (laughs) sure I mean yeah I love I like smiling but sometimes I can't control what my face is doing but she was like yeah you should smile more because like right now like what the look that you had on your face is just like so serious and almost looked like you wanted to strangle me or whatever what Okay. And I was like, so uh, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, excuse me. Like in my head, I was like, what is going on here? Yeah. You know, and I think the rest of the night kind of just snowballed in a bad way from there. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that she she started like, what's it called? Nitpicking at certain things that I had already started doing mm-hmm. through just like less than a week of stuff. 
asking me why I texted the way I did. Do I usually do this? Do I usually do uh, that? And I was like, are you projecting stuff onto me from yeah. a previous ex? Because that's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the first time and it was a good lesson for me to learn that because, you know, I am a very accepting person. I don't have a very stringent list of I feel like I can accept most people if I know at the at the core of yourself, you have a good heart yeah. and we're aligned in certain things. And especially with my like idealistic personality, this is the first time when I had to learn how to, I guess, say no and learn when it's good to actually pull away. Yeah. Because I think in the past, I had just been so accepting and, and kind of, I don't want to paint myself out to be a saint, but kind of like, selfless in the way that if something's going wrong in a relationship i'll be like oh is this my opportunity for growth yeah you know? yeah and that was kind of like my thing when even when she was like volleying these i don't even know verbal <laughs> bombs at yeah me. i'm just like you yeah i was like in my head even at the time i was like oh is this my opportunity to to gain a backbone and not be so sensitive about stuff mm -hmm. but kind of looking on the last relationship i had i was like wait no, this is like the first date, the first person I've matched with. Yeah. I do not need to subject myself to no. to this and there's and like yeah, and color it in a way where oh, this is my opportunity to grow when really there was something wrong with her and mm -hmm. actually I mean, we're still friends to this day actually and oh, she wow. came back to me at a future time and actually told me like she apologized to me. Hey, Good. I apologize for what happened back then. There was stuff going on which I, you know, I I realized some mm -hmm. people are not ready. I mean, everything falls on timing. And yeah, so I that was a good learning lesson for me to take a step back and have that like weird outer body experience of being like it's okay for you to walk away from this. And so, yeah. yeah, that was one such instance. And then there was one after that that was kind of similar. Mm -hmm. And all, all revolves around, I think, just for whatever reason, I think girls getting too comfortable and thinking that they can almost control you and, yeah. and gaslight you and just say really manipulative things mm -hmm. and make you seem like you're being the inconsiderate one. And then when you lay the details out, They'll just say stuff like, if you want to be right or something like that, where it's wow, just like, that's, that's not, so that's not an apology or that's not a resolution to this at all, you wow. know? So like stuff like that, where it comes out maybe like even three weeks or a month after you've mm -hmm. steadily been going on dates and whatnot. And it just made me realize that regardless of how good I feel like I am when it comes to like judging character, you really never know yeah not in the beginning phases at least yeah like time will definitely tell i'm just glad that over the years and through these dating apps it's kind of trained me to just be accepting of that fact and not take it too hard when these things happen i guess yeah. so but yeah it's definitely been a learning experience <laughs> it definitely is yeah and I feel like in the very beginning stages of meeting someone, if it's a good match, that's when it should be easy. You know, that's really the honeymoon period. And so it is a huge red flag if these things are coming up when you've yes. just met somebody within a month, because honestly, it's not likely to get any easier or any more fun after that. It's just mm -hmm. going to get more difficult as you have to work through real issues in your relationship. So if they're already bringing up issues that don't need to be brought up. That's a huge red flag. And I will say it's kind of a testament to your character that your initial reaction was, how can I grow from this? Especially when it doesn't sound like 
the other person in this scenario was being as self-aware. But I'm mm-hmm. glad that you stood your ground and you did realize that you could accept better. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, and I'm I'm a huge words of affirmation person and like that's how I like to receive things and that's how I give too in terms of the love languages. And mm-hmm. so for me, a lot of the roadblocks that I kind of came across was just like, I mean, anybody can have fun in a relationship, but it's really when there's like a conflict or like something we disagree on, how do we resolve that moment or that time? And so I glean a lot from how a person communicates with me. And so like these two girls that I just referenced, it was like very antagonistic from the start. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, I can already project out into the future when like you just mentioned, we're dealing with more serious topics and we can't even get to like a baseline level of understanding to have a civil discourse. And when someone's being rude to me and even if they're saying the right things but doing it with the wrong tone which is everything i'm like oh i can't i can't deal with this and i know that people will have moments when that happens i have moments when that happens leslie you know with your facial expression oh, yes. sometimes that's so i mean yes. we can't control this stuff but i feel like i can judge whether or not it's like circumstantial or situational and whether it's Mm -hmm. a part of you that you haven't yet tried to rein in you know and in these two instances I was like oh I think they have stuff that they have to work out first and they've been a little bit enabled in their past by previous exes or or whatever to act in this certain way and think that they can say things in this tone and manner and not have the other person like be offended so I was like oh this isn't gonna work out so no learning experience for sure Mm -hmm. So another thing that I've encountered, which I didn't think I would encounter on a dating app, because it says it in the name, it's supposed to be for romantic connections. I have encountered experiences where you have to wonder, are you being friend zoned? And for me, one particular experience comes up and I met this guy, it was our first date and we went out in Hermosa Beach. We went to two different bars. One of which it's called The Deck. And anyone who's familiar with Hermosa and has been there, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a first date spot. It's the diviest bar, which honestly I'm okay with. People are always playing beer pong or flip cup or something like that. They have sports that you can watch. So it's a good time. It's not a romantic vibe though. So we go there and we're outside. And I remember this guy, he was kind of drunk and he was playing drinking games and he struck up a conversation with the two of us. And he's like, are you guys on a date? And the guy was super awkward about it. And he's like, how did you guys Mm -hmm. meet? And then... He wasn't saying anything, so I was like, oh, we met on Bumble. So I brush it off. We go to another bar, and part of me is like, okay, he wouldn't admit it was a date, but he paid for my drinks at this place, and then I offered to pay for drinks at the next place, and he said no and still insisted on paying. So he's like, maybe it was a date. But our whole conversation beforehand had been talking about how we had just moved to L.A. from Colorado. He wanted to get into finding people to play, like, beach volleyball with. Anyway, based on a couple other things, I remember I went over to my friend Amanda's place afterwards and I was like, you know, I think this guy might have just wanted to meet me to play beach volleyball with as a future partner. I think that was my first experience with realizing you could match with someone on a dating app, not have it be a romantic connection for them, even though you think Mm. it is. Have you had any notable experiences where you have been friend zoned or you felt like you were being friend zoned despite your attempts to make a romantic connection? Yeah, well, first off, I don't think you're friend zoned. I think you were scouted. (laughs) (laughs) That's a much more positive spin. He's like, this girl, she looks like she has some hops. Yeah, yep. (laughs) 
<laughs> he didn't see that I was only 5'3". I mean, uh, scouted so me for funny. the wrong sport. I know. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, taking the dating app portion of it to the side, I feel like I'm a professional, what's it called? Friend zone Friend zoner or... <laughs> But I feel like we can take it a, a step further and say that I'm typically bro zoned, which is I feel like even worse, where it's like you're treated as like an older brother. But I feel like that stems from what you put out into the world. And I have no one to blame, honestly, sometimes than myself. Mm-hmm. And so even before dating apps, I feel like I could always get along well with a lot of people. But I was sort of that prototypical guy who could become really good friends and really close friends with, you know, guys and girls, but, you know, also, especially in high school, like girls that I was attracted to. Mm -hmm. But then they didn't really, you know, know that. And they became very friendly with me as well. And we became almost like, you know, best friends, kind Mm -hmm. of. And also in these situations, it's not like I ever had like a a define the relationship moment too, where I was like, hey, I am, you know, I like you or whatever. Mm -hmm. I've had that once or twice, and it didn't end up you know, going in my favor. And, you know, in those situations, it's always a little bit heartbreaking because the girl is like, oh, crap, now this changes everything and yada, yada. But that's sort of been my through line of, (laughs) you know, my relationship experience. I'm glad that in my 20s, I've learned a lot from, you know, friend zoning, bro zoning myself. Mm -hmm. It has helped me out a lot when it comes to genuinely wanting to be someone's friend and wanting to be someone's bigger bro Mm -hmm. without any strings attached or anything like that. But yeah, I didn't think I'd have to really experience that when it came to dating apps because it's very clear, like, you know, I like you, you liked me. So hopefully this will turn out better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, I have experienced that on dating apps as well. I mean, I guess the most recent experience would be this past January before I met my my current girlfriend, Mm -hmm. I think she friend zoned me before we even went on on the date, which is very interesting. And you might be asking yourself now, how did the date even happen after that? And I'd be like, well, because I am me and I do stuff like that. Shoots his shot if there's anything we've learned throughout this episode. Exactly. So I guess I kind of buried the lead in that sense. But I mean, we had been talking on Hinge for maybe like a week and we had planned to to go get dinner or something I think on a three-day weekend, Martin Luther King Jr. Day or whatever. But that left space in between, obviously. And I I have listened to one of your past podcasts about that and the gap in between. What are you supposed to do with that? Do you keep talking? I'm actually the type of person that would like to keep here and there sprinkling in like things about myself or like Mm -hmm. asking questions about the other person. Not too excessive because again, you aren't dating each other yet. Mm -hmm. And again, to each their own, right? Sometimes it works for you. Sometimes it doesn't Mm -hmm. just like my waffle interview story. (laughs) I I could give that advice to a bunch of people, but if you don't know how to handle that situation or at least play it off awkwardly in an endearing manner, that's not going to work for you, you know? And most of the time I'd say, don't bring waffles into an interview. (laughs) So you never know what works. Do you, as I say, but yeah, I mean, we had gotten to know each other over that week. And then I think the Sunday night, right before the Monday, we were about to hang out. We're kind of just talking about something random. And then she kind of breaks the flow of the conversation and that just goes, Jonathan, extended ends, like dot, 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 dot. And I'm like, well, this can't be good. No. And I mean, (laughs) 
And I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I get got got a paragraph right after that and her essentially telling me like, hey, I just want to be honest with you and just let you know before you come out to my area, because it was in the OC, so about 40 minutes away from me. She's like, I just want to be upfront and straight with you and just say that I'm kind of feeling like it's a little bit platonic right now. I've had really good time like talking to you and conversing with you. So before you come out here, just wanted to make things clear. Mm-hmm. And so like in the moment, I'm like, well, I guess she didn't cancel the date what do i do with this is this gonna be a waste of my time now Mm -hmm. at first i was like this is weird that she would even bring this up because it's almost like an unspoken rule that if you do feel like it's platonic then just go on the first date first yeah to see how that plays out and then if it's platonic we go our separate ways and none's the wiser and so i was like i don't know why you would bring this up especially if you're not canceling exactly Usually you cancel it. You say, this is feeling platonic. I, let's not do this. Yeah. But she's like, yeah, I just want to let you know. So then in the moment, I just took it as, well, you know, we did have a good vibe going on. We had good conversations. I had already made plans. I might as well just go out to the OC because it's an area that I don't typically frequent. Yeah. And at the very least, we'll have fun for this random three-hour spurt or yeah. whatever. And also I took it as, all right, challenge accepted yes. because you said it was platonic we'll see how you feel like after the date, you know? <laughs> I'll show you and, and my exactly and my <laughs> initial thought too was just like oh she's probably talking to somebody on the side and kind of feeling the fact that even if she's never met me she may just have a stronger connection with somebody mm-hmm. and sometimes people have that intuition they don't need to meet another person to, mm-hmm. to figure that out for themselves and so I gave her the benefit of the doubt but I was like even more so challenge accepted because yeah. Maybe I am going up against somebody else and I just want to see how I fare in that respect. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I was like, oh, and this takes the pressure entirely off because then I can just literally be myself and I want to have a good time. And if you're having a good time, that rubs off on the other person. I feel like that energy and vibe totally radiates from you. And I was like, yeah, cool. One day only sort of thing. You don't get many opportunities like this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, let's do it. So I was like, "Uh, yeah, it's clear to me. Do you still want to get ramen? Mm -hmm. And she was like, oh, yay, let's do it. And I was like, okay, weird response. (laughs) Sure, but sure, let's keep our plans. But yeah, I think after that, it kind of got a little bit weird too, just because the text exchange became a little bit wishy-washy. And I was like, maybe she really doesn't want to go because then she was like, hey, I know we landed on ramen, but I'm actually on a fast. Or like, I'm I'm dieting right Mm -hmm. now. Can we go hiking instead? And I was like, but we planned this out like a week ago and you said yeah. you were good with ramen. Why didn't you tell me that this faster diet was happening? And I was like, a hike is weird because yeah. like we'd get sweaty. I don't know. That just felt like a weird setup. Yeah. But she was like, can we go hiking? And then I watch you eat. That's also And in my head, I was weird. like, <laughs> I know. I was like, do you actually not want to go? Why don't you just tell me? Because yeah. now it feels like you're waffling, you know, call back, yeah. <laughs> uh, no pun intended. But I was like, why don't you just fast the whole day and make ramen your one meal? Mm-hmm. And then eventually she's like, oh, I just looked at the pictures again and it's so good. Okay, okay, let's do ramen. And I was like, <laughs> Very all right, let's, let's do ramen. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of like, do I want to X out yeah. from this entirely? But I was like, you know what? I already made up my mind. I'm set. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the day of the date happens. And actually, as I'm like working out in the morning or whatever, she texts me and she's like, hey, do you want to watch a movie too? And I'm like, wait, what? Are we making this more, more of a date? Of a date. I'm, I'm confused. But... 
At this point, I'm down for anything. I'm yeah. like, all right, You're sure, in it at let's this do point. it. Yeah, I was like, let's have fun. Let's go. So I think we watched like 1917. Very uh, intense Aust- first date. Very intense first date. But it was fun. We vibed as much as you can vibe like 10 minutes prior to a movie and mm-hmm. within a movie. Ramen was great. Conversation was great. And then, you know, for me, this entire time, I'm tracking, like, I have a meter of, like, platonic friend zone and, like, whether or not I can make the meter go a little bit more right to more than platonic. You know, that was my only goal of the night outside of let me have a good time for myself and then show her a good time. Wait, so Um, what were the things that you were doing? Like, are there any subtle moves that you have for inching out of the friend zone? You know, I think it was just honestly, like, once she, like, took that veil off for me that it was a platonic thing i was like oh i can literally just be myself make the types of jokes i like to make and laugh and just sort of be kind of carefree and like i mentioned earlier it's just like that essence sort of radiates from you and for me that was like i just want to put my best foot Mm -hmm. forward in that sense and i didn't really strategically think about how i would approach things other than i was like oh i'm in a good spot i'm gonna have fun i don't know about you yeah and i think I had obviously a frame of reference with regards to our conversations prior and I knew we had the same humor and everything. So I was like, I think we're going to have a good time and have pretty decent conversations and laugh about stuff and and whatnot. And I mean, that ended up coming to pass. And so there wasn't anything specific that I necessarily did outside of I was freer to be you know, myself and not be as calculated. Actually, that is the biggest thing Mm -hmm. that I did, that I did nothing, that I didn't prepare, (laughs) that I didn't prepare for anything, you know, because sometimes that definitely works against you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've been in job interviews before that you didn't even realize were job Mm -hmm. interviews. Mm -hmm. And then you just nail it. And they're like, hey, do you want this position? And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that I was being seriously considered for this or whatnot. But I mean, that is so true when it comes to dating as well. You know, when you are wholly yourself, I mean, they can tell. Yeah. This is such a silly analogy, but when you said, oh, what I actually did was I did nothing, it reminds me of in Forgetting Sarah Marshall where Paul Rudd is giving the surf lesson and he's like, do less, just just do less. And then eventually Jason Segel's just like lying there and he's like, okay, you have to do a little bit more than that. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I will let me wrap this story up real quick. I mean, we had ramen. And then as I mentioned, I'm like tracking this whole date, whether or not it's going well. And then she decides like, Oh, do you want to get coffee afterwards and dessert? And I was like, Oh, well, this is going much better than I expected. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are vibing off of each other. But usually you have a good time. And then you both go your separate ways. Yeah. And so this whole night, I'm like, I think I'm winning this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We like talk for another like hour or so at the coffee place. And then the moment of truth is when you guys say goodbye and what happens Mm -hmm. in that parting place. Mm -hmm. And we like gave each other like a half hug and we go our separate ways. And then she says, if I'm ever in your part of town, maybe we can hang out Mm -hmm. and text me when you get home. Yeah. And I was like, Yep, that's it. I won. Yep, <laughs> like I, yep. I wasn't even tracking for myself necessarily whether I actually liked this girl. Yeah. <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds bad. <laughs> but I mean, this just became a game for me, you yeah. know, like, took home the um, but I was exactly I was like, Oh, I won this night. I'm so happy. Like, and when she said text me when you get home, I was like, Okay, cool. I will. Mm-hmm. I have a 40 minute drive home. And like, she texts me first and Aww. says, 
thank you so much for like the great night. And then she lists out the specific things that we did. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, this went really well. Yeah. This went really good. Made an impression. Um, yeah. And so I won the night and I decided, oh, maybe let's just see where this goes and I'll continue talking with her. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's good that I went on this date because, you know, my initial thoughts of her maybe being set on another guy were wrong and false mm-hmm. because she told me, you're the first person that I've gone on a date with. And the first person that I've talked to this much, you know? Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad I decided to do this. I'm glad you agreed to continue this on too, Mm -hmm. because we never would have known for ourselves. But yeah, I guess long story short, we went out on maybe one more, one or two more dates, actually. And we continued talking to each other and kind of fed off of and branched off of our first date. And the conversation was good. We were vibing, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess at this point, I have to go back to ramen dinner. We digress. And loop this all back around. And I guess what made the date one of the most interesting dates that I've ever been on was during dinner. I don't know if this is a red flag for you where you guys talk about your exes or it just comes up like tangentially Mm -hmm. or or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it did come up. uh, Bad red flag on my part because I think I too flippantly bring up Mm -hmm. my exes and I think I do it when it relates to the situation. But also understanding that, you know, maybe just don't, (laughs) don't touch it. And it did, it did come up when we were watching a movie because I was talking about AMC movie pass. Mm -hmm. And I sort of just kind of like offhand talked about how me and my ex both got cards for ourselves. And actually, I bought her card because I was like, this is going to be much cheaper for me at the end of the day because I'm paying for your stuff anyway. So it works out. So I think from my point of view, I bring that up so flippantly just to prove that now it is such a flippant subject, you know? Yeah. But I also realize that it, regardless, maybe just stray away from that entirely because you're not sure what can branch out of that and how the other person might feel. And I've learned that too from my current girlfriend, Sung, not to be so, you know, just throw that out willy nilly. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, again, it, it makes sense that for my end, it's just proof to her that like, this is willy nilly to me, and you're the only person yeah. that matters. But it still makes people feel a certain way. And I now recognize for myself that I guess I wouldn't like it if I kept hearing about some random ex, regardless of whether or not it was in a trivial mm-hmm. manner, mm-hmm. you know, so something that I've had to learn. Yeah, um, I kind of agree with you in the fact that it's only a big red flag if it comes up and the person is harboring some bitterness. Mm-hmm. So I guess to, to bring it back to why I brought that up in the first place mm-hmm. was during dinner with friend zone girl, she said, Oh, so you brought up your ex earlier. And I was like, Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> but but she used it as like a tangential segue piece. And she's like, mm-hmm. Oh, what what happened to you in your last relationship? And I was like, it was just a matter of wrong timing and her not being in the right space. And I just dealing with some personal things that she had to take care of. And both of us just decided it would be good to, you know, break it off. And and then I said, What about you? Which is the natural question to ask in that scenario. Yeah. And then she goes, yeah, my last long-term relationship was last August. It was on again, off again for the next two or three months mm-hmm. till I decided to break it off with her. And then in the moment, kind of like time stood bulb. still for me and it like time froze and you really get the, that situation where everything's moving in slow motion and you're like, uh-huh, mm-hmm. did she say her mm-hmm. and then I, I mentioned this to you before but it was very much like that uh, zach galifianakis equations meme <laughs> of like <laughs> yeah. just passing through my eyes and i'm like ding she definitely said her yeah and she just kept going on nonchalantly and i was like 
I mean, I have to process this in the moment, but yes. Mm-hmm. So let me, let me nonchalantly also put on a strong face and be like, yeah, okay, her. And then, I mean, obviously I was a little bit shell shocked and I, I wasn't sure what my next question would be. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she's gotten this a lot of times when yeah. she's dated guys. Kudos to her for being able to just kind of sort of breeze through it. And I maybe yeah. even just use it as a filter to yeah. see how, how a person would respond in that moment. And for myself, I was just like, okay, she said her, that's interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about it in the moment, yeah. but let's keep talking and find out. And so <laughs> I don't know verbatim what I said next, but it was something along the lines of, and this sounds so stupid, but I was like, oh, so you were the girl. <laughs> not stupid. It's just a clarifying question. It's just a clarifying question. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then the next question, I said something along the lines of like, Maybe this shouldn't have been my next question, to be honest. I was like, oh, how many girls have you been with? I, I'm pretty sure I said it more delicately yeah. and eloquently than that. Mm-hmm. But because she didn't raise a red flag. She was just like, oh, you know, my last three relationships have been with girls. Yeah. And regardless, these are questions I need answered at some point. Yeah, you know? at some point. For um, sure. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, and, you know, there are a bunch of things crossing my mind right mm-hmm. now at the speed of light, including like, oh, am I like your foray back into, mm-hmm. you know, dating guys again? Like, yeah. I'm going to assume that you've dated guys before, but yeah. who can assume anything, yeah, you know? So, yeah. but I was like, oh, I don't want to be your guinea pig, mm-hmm. you know? And things started to click with regards to, and maybe it didn't have anything to do with this, but probably a little bit, you know, the friend zone thing at the start without even yes. meeting me. Yeah. And then I realized, oh, she, I think has a pretty good sense of self. I think you have to be with regards to her situation and, yeah. and being bi and like growing up in that scenario because she was like Asian American Christian bisexual. And those are a lot of things to tack on one yeah. another. Yeah. And so you have to naturally be introspective. And so looking back on it, it made more sense to me that even not having met the person that she could get a sense of like where it was going just conversationally and how she was feeling. So even though it was wishy-washy on my end, I was like, oh, you know what? I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt that you know what's going on here. But yeah, long story short, I mean, I think that tidbit once that like sticker shock factor wore off, I think it made the the date, I don't want to say like more interesting, but And I don't want to make her my guinea pig for Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is good for my learning experience. It's almost like that. Oh, let me get a black friend during Black Lives Matter (laughs) movement. And I I will learn through this. And I mean, there was a little part of me that was like trying to check myself within the moment and be like, all right. I mean, cool that you guys have this vibe going on with each other. And she can you guys can become friends, but make sure that she is not your lab rat for personal growth either. You know, so um, self-aware. Thank you. But, you know, honestly, I was like, there were a lot of things that connected us. And so, you know, for me, I was just like wanting to know, okay, you're Asian American like me. You grew up Christian. Your dad's a pastor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's this side of you that just, you know, with the church and religion, it just doesn't, there's a lot to reconcile there. There's a lot of tension. And so for the both of us, it's crazy how along the same lines, like upbringing, very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, And there's this one thing that, you know, we both have to come to terms with. And so I think that made the conversation for the rest of the night really deep, like nuanced, interesting. And we saw more of our similarities through that than, you know, our differences. And I think for me, that was like a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why by the end of the night, I didn't know where I stood either. I was just like, oh, it seems like we're good friends, you know? Mm -hmm. And at this point, I don't think I'm like keeping this friend just so that I can quote unquote learn and improve myself. It's just like, no, I mean, I... 
Exactly. There was transparency and vulnerability on both sides. And yeah, it was a good learning experience for me too. So yeah, so I think I'll leave that story right there. I, I was friend zoned, but I guess in, in a good way. I mean, we did end up going on two more dates, but eventually she was very transparent in kind of admitting to me that she felt like she couldn't see me as anything more than a friend. And she admitted, you know, I, I feel like I did get pretty close to you and I was becoming emotionally attached, but I kind of want to stop it here before it gets before I kind of sweep things under the rug for myself. Yeah. And, you know, for me, I was like, you know what, that makes total sense. I'm sure there's a lot of things going on that you're trying to figure out too. And yeah, it sucked for me because we had become good friends. But yeah, that's pretty much how I got friend zone. But it was kind of like, in a good poetic sort of way. Kind yeah, of. definitely so. a positive experience. And to your point about saying that it was more interesting, I don't take that as you using okay, her as elaborate at all. I really do think it's just a really natural way to bring the conversation to a deeper level that it might not get to under other circumstances until like day five. But this way, right. you just kind of had to move past the surface level because you can't gloss over a revelation mm-hmm. like that. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think I totally see where you're coming from. That is a really positive way to get friend zoned, quote unquote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, you know, we kind of had a lot of learning to do with online dating in general. And then quarantine hit and that just threw an extra wrench into things because no one is prepared to date during quarantine. What was the learning curve like for you as you had to switch to online dates? Yeah, so I mentioned at the top of the show that I treated this whole thing like a joke. I feel like I treat a lot of things as a joke, but it, they tend to work out in my favor, actually. Yeah. And just, you know, try to approach things in a lighthearted manner. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, when quarantine hit, I just volleyed up a bunch of jokes on the IG story on Twitter. <laughs> I was like, it would be so funny if, you know, and I, I used the, what's it called, that picture of the two kids and how I met your mother on the couch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wouldn't it be so funny if uh, this is how I met, you know, my future wife, and this is what <laughs> the story that I tell my kids. And then I looped the how I met your mother theme song onto it, mm-hmm. talked about how, yeah, it will be hilarious if on my first date in quarantine, we still watch a movie, but it's not in the way that you expect, because <laughs> I have to click share screen, but we're still eating popcorn, we're still <laughs> making it happen. So I make all these jokes, including some social distancing pickup lines, which I will now read to you. Yes. First one. Hey, girl, does spatial awareness matter? Because my distance is six feet long. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, next one. Hey, girl, your smile is infectious. In 14 days, let's hope your COVID-19 symptoms aren't as well. Oh, my. Uh, that one's a little touchy, but uh, yeah, there you go. Yes. Um, and then last one. Hey, girl, I know I'm only 5'6", but horizontally, I'll always be six feet away from you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> so, wow. so I was making all these sorts of jokes, you know, treating it fairly lightheartedly and not thinking anything would happen in this no. time. And, you know, I think, I mean, the dating sphere, it's interesting because on the one end, you'd think that with people not having much to do, that they'd be more active and be more down. On the other side of the coin, though, it's also like, well, you can't really meet each other. Yeah. So what can you do? And even if you do strike up a conversation with somebody, how long are you going to maintain that before you actually meet each other or break the rules to meet each other etc etc and even if you do meet each other like there's not much you can do normally that like a first date you would do on a first date Mm -hmm. so i think i experienced that where it's like you know i matched with two or three people during the quarantine and 
we'd start talking and then I, I felt like I had more time, but I also felt busy. Yes. And so it was like a mutual understanding on both parties of just like, hi, hey, what's up? Like, what are you doing? And it very kind of like disconnected conversations with people where at a certain point, I sort of had this mutual feeling of just like, man, I get it. I mean, we don't have anything to do. This is probably why we started this conversation yeah. at the same time. Where is this actually going to go? I totally understand if you're going to fall off and I'm probably falling <laughs> off too. And honestly, if the person is um, not, I guess, showing effort, it's like easy for me to be like, yeah, I'm, I don't really feel the need to as, as well. Yeah. So that's kind of like the trend that I was seeing, like through three or four, like small conversations here and there that all eventually sort of fell off. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where my current girlfriend, Sung, kind of just like, cut through the field of just like all these people just kind of lackadaisically I feel like almost like zombies just being on this app but not really committing going to anything or being in, yeah going through the motions exactly and who can blame anybody I didn't blame anybody for doing that yeah. I felt like I was in that stage but Sung really cut through the clutter because she I mean we matched on hinge mm -hmm. and she messaged me first oh. for one and then she complimented like all of my DreamWorks puns and oh. the picture puns and said I had a really good laugh at all of these things mm -hmm. and for me that's an instant like oh she actually took the time to read all this stuff yeah. like I, at this point I don't even do that I just like swipe <laughs> through the pictures you know go through the quick resume but she actually you know read the puns which I'm all about the puns as yes. you know Leslie oh, yes so instantly I was kind of hooked and she later admitted to me that she thought Hinge was one of those apps where the girl had to <laughs> respond first. <laughs> That's so cute. I guess she thought it was Bumble. Aww. But, you know, regardless, it ended up working out it because did. from the first line, I was like, oh, this is someone to engage with. Yeah. And that first night, we texted with each other for the next, I don't know, two hours. Mm -hmm. That was a long time wow. on Hinge. And we really got to know each other even through those first two hours. Realized that we had pretty similar hobbies. Mm -hmm. I think most of all, you can tell when a person's communication style kind of vibes with you yes. and you flow really well and so I felt like an ease that I didn't have with the other girls too mm -hmm. like I tend to be a chameleon in that sense where I can match your conversation style but I know what my preference is yeah. and so we kind of just hit it off off the bat in that respect and with regards to quarantine we ended up talking on the phone the next day oh, wow. uh, believe it or not because we continued the text conversation throughout the day mm -hmm. and and it may just have been a, a byproduct of the fact that I had had such meaningless conversations prior that this was so different yeah. that I was like, oh, why not continue to see where this goes? Mm -hmm. On top of it, I learned that she's from Atlanta, so she's out of state. Mm -hmm. So in a normal circumstance, maybe I wouldn't have been so gung-ho about things necessarily. I would maybe would have been thinking more about, well, where is this really going to go? She's from Atlanta. She just moved here for like a travel nursing position and got her contract terminated. So she was fun employed during the time I met her. Mm -hmm. But those nursing contracts only last three months at a time, you know, so I'm like, Oh, is she gonna be here for yeah. the long term? And but because it was quarantine, kind of like my first story with a friend zone girl, it's kind of like things are so weird and wonky anyways, kind of why not just go off the deep end and see what can happen? Yeah. I what feel like a real hippie on this podcast, but you know, it's like, but you know, sometimes, like, just honestly, go with the flow, man. just go with the flow, man. You never know what's going to happen. And for me, I kind of took it as that. It's like, Hey, I've been in LA for the last 20 years and 
I know when I vibe with somebody, yeah. we can worry about the logistics of stuff later. Let's mm-hmm. just go with what we have now. And because it's quarantine, my most exciting thing that I'm doing these days is waiting for work to end so I can run. Running has become like mm-hmm. a pivotal part of my existence mm-hmm. when I used to hate running. Mm-hmm. So just the fact that I can connect with someone in this way, why not literally run with it? No pun wow. intended. Always um, pun intended with you. <laughs> always pun intended. So I decided to take that leap of faith the next night and I texted her like, hey, this might be kind of weird. We can totally rain check on this, but do you want to talk on the phone? Mm-hmm. And she told me, actually, yeah, with the rate at which we had been texting each other, yeah. it was like, why don't we, you know, talk to each other? And I think that first night we talked for like two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. We ended up talking on the phone every night after that for an average of three to four hours every night. Oh. And here's where quarantine I think really changes things because if we were in a normal work environment yeah. and I didn't have the luxury of rolling out of the bed, <laughs> rolling out of bed to just start work, yep. I would be more cognizant of the time and yeah. the hours and whether or not I had the energy, but I had more time than That's I knew normal. what to do with, you know, like everybody's hours were all kind of strange. So talking till like, you know, 2, 2.30, AM at night didn't mean as much as it used to. I didn't have to travel anywhere, first of all. If I was super tired that workday, I would sleep during lunch. I mean, this is all hashtag work from home type stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. But those are the ways in which quarantine, I feel like, kind of changed the game with our respect. And, you know, Sung and I have talked about this a lot, but I think it's, for the most part, all been for the best. Yeah. I mean, I think the cons are obviously that that first week or two we couldn't meet with each other Mm -hmm. and we weren't sure about how to progress things but we decided to break some rules here and there Mm -hmm. we decided to you know get tested and see if we were both negative and And she's a nurse if anyone is going to be safe to meet up with it's her (laughs) exactly and you know our first date ended up being a social distancing walk with Mm -hmm. our masks on so in some weird like dystopian way it was all very cute and romantic yeah But yeah, outside of those few cons, for the most part, it's all been for the better. Mm -hmm. And I think it gave us a lot more foundation than I guess a typical relationship would start off with just because, I kid you not, we looked at our hours logged on the phone after the first week. And I think we had logged like 17 to 23 hours on the phone. Yeah. And I'm not that much of a phone person, Mm -hmm. you know, but the fact that I could keep this conversation going with her and not feel like there were those awkward silences where I felt, you know, forced to come up with something, Mm -hmm. I think told a lot. And even when we did have those awkward silences, those were easily filled and it was understood. You felt like the other person, you know, understood you and was fine with that. So I think the vibe was just so natural that I think that doesn't work unless both parties kind of dive into it together in that same capacity, you know? And after a week, because we didn't like meet with each other uh, in person, there wasn't sort of those outside stimuli to Mm -hmm. sort of boost things for you. Like, you know, if you go on a fun date or something or watch a fun movie or Mm -hmm. have something good to eat, sometimes those can like elevate a date for you. And we didn't have any of that. It was literally like, let's talk on the phone again and learn more about each other. Obviously we have pictures, but that only goes so far, you know? So I feel like that really set the foundation for where I'm at now and when we actually, you know, met each other in person. But yeah, it's been a very interesting thing to navigate in this such unique, unprecedented times. But yeah, it definitely is. But you bring up a really good point that you don't have that added boost of like, 
oh, we had this really romantic experience that you then conflate with being really into the person. It's like, if you can Mm -hmm. talk to somebody for hours with no special stimulation, that is a huge sign that you're compatible. And that's really what matters at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. I kind of jumped the gun and went to the in-person. Yes, yes. But when I tell people what we did on our first virtual date, they kind of take a step back and they're like, what the heck? You guys went all out. (laughs) But I think we had actually logged like, 10 hours on the phone already. Mm -hmm. So we had a pretty good idea of who we were. Mm -hmm. And that first virtual date, like she sent through some options. And at this point, we know each other pretty well, even if it's only been like four days. And Mm -hmm. she was like, this site has a bunch of options of things we can do on a virtual date, like, you know, do a virtual museum tour, or play a game. What if we both ordered the same food. And I was like, Oh, that's really fun. So I told her, Okay, I'll take care of dinner for the night, you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. And she said, Okay, well, I'll take care of whatever activity like we end up doing. Mm -hmm. So we both each had our own parts, but we weren't going to divulge what we were doing. Yeah. And this is kind of how one of my first signs of like, Oh, this girl, she, she, this girl is the the I don't I don't want to say the one but like, for me right now, this girl's the one, you know, same wavelength, we're on the same wavelength. For me on the side, I was like, okay, I'm going to order dinner. I told her initially that I was going to Postmates the same type of food to each of us. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know what? What if I surprise this girl, pick up the food, and I tell her on the day of, your Postmates is here. Please come to the door. But it's actually me. me. (laughs) You know? And I had no intention of like staying. I just wanted to drop it off. So I go to Little Tokyo. I get katsu curry for the both of us mm-hmm. even gets her some spam masubi for the next day so that she can have for lunch and yeah i like drive i park right up to her apartment i call her and i'm like hey so i know i told you that the eta for the postmates is like five ten minutes but yeah there was actually a change of plans and i'm your postmates Aww. guy and she was genuinely very shocked and she was like oh my god are you here are you outside she's like oh my god oh my god okay hold on give me five minutes yeah and i knew she was genuinely shocked because she was still in the process of getting ready for Mm -hmm. our virtual date Mm -hmm. and right before i had called her she was talking to her sister about prepping for this date and she had to put me on hold and then tell her sister oh my god he just called and he's outside (laughs) and her sister like lost it she was like oh my god is he gonna come in is he going to what's gonna go what's going on she's like you better call me right when you pick up the food or get back you know because her sister was understandably a little bit concerned yes um this could be a but (laughs) exactly (laughs) but she comes out with her mask i have my mask and Mm -hmm. then i ask her actually can you help me sort this food out because there's a lot of items or whatever yeah and that was literally our first time meeting each other, albeit in this very weird way, but it was kind of sweet and cute in its own right as well. And Mm -hmm. she said like, in Korean that she was speechless. She's like, this is kamdong means speechless. And I was like, Oh, I learned a new word for the day. Mm -hmm. I felt very happy about how things went. And I was like, Okay, you can go ahead and start eating. It'll take me like 1520 minutes to get back. And then I'll hop on to zoom or whatever. Yeah. So I get home, we we have our katsu curry, and I also got boba milk tea bars. Oh. By the way, Leslie, if you have not had boba milk tea bars, you no. have to. Wait, it's a physical, you, it's like a hard bar. It's not like the boba drink in some different form. No, it is like an ice cream bar. I mean, it tastes like boba, but it's actually mochi, which makes more what? sense because Yum. you can easily, you know, you know, chew it down. But yeah, you can find it at your local 
99 Ranch or H Smart. I'm not sponsored by these people, although they should sponsor me. Yeah. They should sponsor Leslie as I well want if one you right end up. Now. Exactly. So I, I made it a little bit more personal too, because outside of the katsu curry that morning during my lunch break or whatever, I like raced to like an H Mart and 99 Ranch and tried to find one of these heralded boba milk tea bars that everybody's been raving about. And I was able to snatch up uh, one box because I kid you not, when you go to these stores, even if there's like 10 boxes, people will come in and grab four of them what? and it's gone. So wow. yeah, some supermarkets actually have had to limit like, it's almost like toilet it's like paper. Toilet like, paper yes. Two, oh two per God. customer. <laughs> so I was like, this is special because yeah. I'm going out of my way to get this, you know. Yeah. But anyways, then when it came to the activity portion, she's like, okay, so I came up with a, with a little game that we could do to get to know each other even better. Mm-hmm. And she brought out this like board of different like cards that were like plastered onto the board and it looked like a Jeopardy board. It had like all the different points and it had categories at the very top. And she was like, so these are the different categories that you can pick from and from 100 to 500, it gets a little bit deeper and a little bit more, you know, juicier. She went went all out. Exactly. And I think for me, that's when I was like, oh, this has been worth it. This has been great getting to know this girl. I might want to make her my girlfriend because we've been on the same wavelength from day one. And the fact that we both, we had no idea what each other was doing separately, but we both came together in this, you know, being hashtag extra on each of our sides of things. And then again, once you both do that, something like fun can happen. And I had one of the most memorable virtual first dates that I've ever had, maybe even keeping into account, you know, my in-person dates as well. You know, yeah. I'll never be able to say like, yeah, I had katsu curry, boba milk tea bars, and a Jeopardy board game on my first date. No, you know, so, never again. So yeah, long story short, we are now boyfriend and girlfriend. Sweet. And yeah. I love that. And I also love the fact that you guys both put in equal amounts of effort because I mm-hmm. feel like actually what I've realized about dating the hardest thing isn't finding someone who likes you, you know, unless you're yeah. like a horrible monster. Of course, there are going to be people who like you out there. The hardest part is finding someone who likes you as much as you like them. And so when Mm, two people put in the same amount of effort in the way that you and Sung did, I feel like that's just a sign that you are on that same wavelength. You're both equally invested in moving things forward. And that's the foundation of a great relationship. Exactly. I agree. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I would like to close it out. And much like how Sung prepared a game for you, I've prepared a game (laughs) as well. My Where's your game board? It's <laughs> not quite as cute, but you know, this is perfect because Jonathan, as we've established, is a big DreamWorks fan. So if there oh, were no. anyone for me to play this with, it would have to be him. And the game is Would You Rather, but it's DreamWorks Character Edition. So I'm oh, going to pose DreamWorks characters and you have to pick who you'd rather date. Okay, wow, this is so fun. So just before anyone comes for me, Based on DreamWorks canon, all of these characters are above 18. So this is okay. So okay. I'm not going to pick like... Jeez. <laughs> I'm not going to pick like... Do you, do you need to add that disclaimer? That's hilarious. <laughs> you really know. thought this through. <laughs> because like for some of them, it could be iffy if you don't know the show. For the last one in particular, it's honestly really just in relation to that because it's going to seem messed up if I don't say it. All right. So sure. Kicking it off. Fiona or Astrid? Oh, so with Fiona, you're getting like the transformation? That's a great question. Hmm. Let's say no to keep it on equal footing. So just so the human ogre. Fiona. Oh, human Fiona. Mm-hmm. Oh. So that's not true to canon, but for the purposes of this game. 
<laughs> oh, this is hard because oh man Astrid really glows up in yes. like the third movie she really does like first movie I'm like okay like she had her tomboy face yeah. but yeah then it's like she's a strong warrior and she's just like a beautiful grown woman yeah I mean Fiona's really kick ass too mm-hmm. uh, she has that Xena warrior princess moment yes. in the Shrek forever after mm-hmm. and um, the Matrix I, kick in the first one exactly that was iconic Oh, man, I think I would have to say just like based off of like my cute aesthetic preference, probably Astrid, Mm -hmm. though. And also I get the benefit of possibly riding a dragon whenever she visits Stormfly like (laughs) once every month. I like to think they they visit each other once every month. Spoiler alert. But yeah, I think I yeah, I think I would go with Astrid for the flying. And also I think she fits like my aesthetic profile. Okay, okay. So we're going to go a little deeper here. If you were to pick between Fiona's mom, the queen of Far, Far Away, or the fairy godmother. Hmm. Like, as my mother-in-law? No, you're dating these people, Oh, just dating both. (laughs) Oh, my bad, my bad. Um, I'm thinking about the actress, too. Julie Andrews does the mom, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I I think I would have to, to go with the more, like, traditional matronly mother of fiona i think as exciting and fun as the fairy godmother would be a little too ratchet for me man i can't i'm i'm 32 i'm 32 now fam so like i can't i mean maybe when i was like 23 or something that would have been fun but yeah no i would go with fiona's mom that's fair i guess okay so i was thinking about it and i was like who would i pick and i guess i could answer for fiona or astrid oof gosh i'd pick fiona astrid's like a little too mean for me personally that's fair but then i was really thinking about fiona's mom versus fairy godmother and i was like you know i don't know about long-term dating but if this were short-term definitely fairy godmother like yeah she's wild but i get it you know maybe she's not marriage material exactly okay so then this is even deeper cut so but i imagine you've seen the b movie Yeah. yeah okay so vanessa bloom Mm-hmm. Or Susan Murphy from Monsters vs. Aliens. Not when she's a oh. giant, but when she's normal size. Oh. So, side tangent, but one of the things that connected me to Sung was that she grew up with DreamWorks movies oh. more than Disney movies. And, wow. you know, for me, DreamWorks is life. Shrek is life. <laughs> and I, I wanted to test her knowledge. And she said, one of my most recent favorite DreamWorks movies is Abominable. And I was Aww. like what that's i mean that's how i know too Mm -hmm. but also on top of that she actually knows the b movie and can recite lines that i don't know wow i think she said what's her name i don't even know her name vanessa bloom Mm -hmm. i didn't even know that and so i I was like oh this this girl is legit Mm -hmm. and also she knows this one line from shrek where whenever she sees like a giant slab of rock or a boulder she's like I like that boulder. That's, That's a, a nice, nice boulder. boulder. And I, 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 that was not part of my jargon. I was like, she's like, what movie is that from? And she stumped me. And I was wow. like, I don't know. And she's like, come on, Mr. Dreamworks. You um, met your match. So I met my match. So tying it back to the B movie, Vanessa Bloom. And what is her name? The Susan monsters? Murphy. And Susan I mean, Murphy. I'm going to out myself. I definitely had to Google their first and last okay, names. Okay. So. For sure. I mean, I know their box office numbers more than I know the actual <laughs> names. Hmm. I'm trying to, like, remember their personalities. Mm-hmm. I think I would still go with Susan Murphy mm-hmm. in terms of, like, looks. I think mm-hmm. she fits more of my profile. I don't really have anything deeper than that right now. Mm-hmm. She does have 
a history that she had to grow from with that mm-hmm. jerk of an anchor man like dumping her when she became a monster. So yeah. I feel like, you know, that life experience lends to her being someone who's very introspective and has perspective, literal perspective, because yeah. she became <laughs> wow. a giant. Although I guess Vanessa Bloom also has perspective because she was hanging out with like a, a small bee. little bee guy. So I you know, I'm gonna go I'm gonna wow. go with with Susan Murphy. <laughs> You brought this so much deeper. I didn't even think about the fact that they both have the size perspective of looking onto a much smaller creature. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Susan Murphy as well. I would not have articulated it as well as you, but I agree with you. Okay. So next one, two moms. So we have Lucy Tucci, that's Tip's mom from home, or we have Boss Baby's mom, Janice. Oh, Boss Baby's mom, I'm trying to remember. We like worked on this campaign. This is bad. <laughs> she was in marketing too with mm-hmm. his dad, Ted. with Tim's dad. T- t- yeah, okay. Sorry, what was the other one? Um, Tip's mom, Lucy Tucci. Oh, Tip's mom for sure. She's fun, J-Lo. I mean, yeah, I don't have anything deeper than fits what I like aesthetically too and just mm-hmm. seems like a very fun, glowing, bright personality to, to be with. I think Tim's mom was more of a, traditional mom so Mm -hmm. yeah she was and i think interestingly i would pick janice only because in home adventures of tip and o lucy tucci i don't know the character personality changed quite a bit and she was super ditzy so i think that's coloring my choice and i'm like i don't Mm. know if i can deal with the ditziness she also got lost in the movie so maybe she is actually (laughs) ditzy I would go with Janice. That's hilarious. I mean, you went deeper on that one because I totally even forgot her like narrative through line. But if I had more info, maybe I'd change it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Got to go with your gut. Yeah. All right. So moving on to some TV. Perfuma or Mermista from Shira? Oh, man. I'm a bad DreamWorks TV person. <laughs> what were the two options? Perfuma. She's like the hippie-ish one who can control the plants. Or then Mermista. She's like the sassy, sarcastic one. And she's basically a mermaid, but not really because she has legs. Oh, okay. This is easy for me just because of something mm-hmm. totally trivial. I'm going to go with Mermista because I really like Zoolander. And I can just say, Mermista. Mermista. <laughs> <laughs> Except I guess the lines in the Zoolander movie would be like, thank God your mom is not alive to see you dating a merman or mermaid. And I'd be like, Mermista. Oh my God. That's why I like Mermista. That's amazing. I love Mermista. So I only know this because I worked on the marketing for the show. We have the same birthday, quote unquote. I would pick her because I think she's really cool. Although kind of going back to the Astrid thing, she is also not the nicest, doesn't show much affection, but Perfuma would be too much for me. Like, she's too hippie. I also don't think she'd want to date me, so it wouldn't work out. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, two more. So, also from TV, Layla Gray or Echo from Spy Racers. Oh, man, this is sort of tough. I feel like it kind of goes back to that question of, like, marriage material mm-hmm. or, like... And I'm just going purely based off of looks. I feel like I would say Echo just because she seems hip and cool. Mm -hmm. Feels like we could take a hip hop dance class together. Probably listen to the same sort of music Mm -hmm. and stuff that that I was into when I was growing up. But maybe if I'm ready for marriage, it would be Layla. I don't know if you can attest to Mm -hmm. that, but that I think that's where I would go. Okay. Now I'm just kind of 
really outing myself as a huge nerd. I feel like from a character perspective. So they're both a little closed off. They're like kind of tough and like, I would say formidable. I think Layla's probably more emotionally closed off, maybe. Mm. So I think I would have to go with Echo just because of that. I think Layla gotcha. has some walls up that she would need to. Work ah, on. interesting. Yeah, I need transparency and vulnerability, all of which Sung had. So mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, last one, and this is why I made the caveat at the beginning: mm-hmm. Smidge or DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Smidge or DJ? And this for those funny. who don't know, these are from Trolls. Oh, I okay, Smidge for sure, just because I think Sung is smaller, she is brighter, just a very, very sweet and kind personality. Mm-hmm. But also the reason why I knew I was with kind of the right person was, I was like, well, what's beneath the surface? Does she have a little oomph to yeah. her? And she totally does knows how to stand up for herself more so also knows how to stand up for other people and anything anytime she sees anything wrong she will put her foot down i think we were at the grove reopening once and we passed by two guys who were like sitting on these lawn chairs and they were catcalling these two asian women and said like konnichiwa and then they were like oh they didn't respond so then they were like okay probably korean saranghae and we we were like oh gosh what is going on here and i think sung was so fired up that she was like i want to say something and i was like go go say something i was like do you want me to do you want me to be there she's like no stand back here i was like all right i don't need backup (laughs) i was like oh i'll just document the moment and maybe make her like viral famous on twitter or whatever and take the picture of her confronting people and actually, I do have the, the picture. And she like totally went up to those guys and and they were still seated on their lawn chairs as if they were just on their iron thrones, you know, and she was like, hey, what she said back there was really inappropriate and could have made those girls feel uncomfortable. And, and they were like, why is anything we said bad? And it's like, that's not the point, no. you know, but I think like moments like that kind of show Sung's like inner fire and yeah. Smidge is uh, I like how I tie this back to just like <laughs> I'm talking about Smidge Smidge is this very tiny Trolls <laughs> character but has literally this inner fire about her she's super strong like literally and I guess like emotionally I yeah. guess uh, as a personality so <laughs> Not Smidge as a person. for sure <laughs> a personality <laughs> as a yeah <laughs> I don't know where we're going here. This is like too deep into the weeds, but I love it. I love it too. And I I would support that. I feel like as we know from the film, DJ didn't have much of a personality. So that would probably get old (laughs) fast. Although you could invite her to, you know, like be the MC and DJ for your parties. That's not what you build a relationship off of. So I'm going to go smidge as well. Yeah, DJs like the chain smokers who hold a party, uh, hold a concert out in Florida or whatever. No social distancing. No mask. Totally. Yeah. The loudest, the craziest, the unsafest party ever. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. That's oh, my great. gosh. Love well, the callbacks that only we will understand. I know. Everyone and maybe else is Vanessa, like, Courtney. tuning off for the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for that's humoring awesome. me with these questions. Yeah. And thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your relationship experience and your experience with Sung. So do you want to plug your podcast one final time? Oh, yes. Please uh, check out my podcast, The Lakers Legacy Podcast. We're also on Twitter, YouTube, etc., etc. So yeah, that's my plug. And yeah. Highly recommend. Thanks for having me, Leslie. It was great catching up and going down memory lane through our 
DreamWorks animation career. <laughs> yes, DreamWorks plus And dating. also all of our lunch break conversations and stuff. I feel like this is a very poetic full circle moment for it the really both of us. It was, it really was. Yes. Yeah, so. thanks Thank Jonathan. You. Absolutely. See you guys. See you. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.